Acts 17 is a really large chapter. There's a lot of directions we could go. But um, I, I was really struck by Paul's message to the Athenians, um, where he is walking through this city. One of the, it's like the New York, New York City, right, of the world, of the time. It's the, it's this epicenter of culture and who's who. It's the big town and it's got the biggest temples and it's got, uh, the, the biggest merchants and, and the economy is booming and it's got shops that are open past 8 p.m. You know, where you get coffee and it's, it's there, it's happening. And Paul is walking into the city and rather than being overjoyed, he is saddened. He's grieved. And why is he grieved? Because he sees all these idols. He sees idols, these, these, uh, images, these stone images, these wood images, these temples built by hands, supposedly uh, where the gods, these idols are placed and they dwell and we go and we worship to these places. And he's grieved in his spirit. We're just going to skip to verse 17, Blanca. I'm messing you up. Um, actually, maybe that's where we're supposed to be. Verse 16, Paul was waiting for them in Athens. And he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Now, why would he be grieved that the city was full of idols? It says he's distressed. Back in the day, I just saw, I, was, I saw the Bible very flatly. I, guess I didn't have any imagination. I'm just saying he's mad that they're worshiping idols. And God said, don't worship idols. So he's mad and he's pointing him to the true God. But I think there's something deeper here. Yes, idols are not the true God, and he's upset. But I think he's upset because they're missing out on what God offers them, true life in the life of God. An idol is a cheap substitute for the real thing. An idol is actually a barrier that creates distance from the deity being worshipped. It's this intermediary thing and Paul sees all these idols that misdirect the Athenians away from this dynamic, life-giving, healing relationship in the presence of the living God. And he's grieved that instead of living in this dynamic relationship, they are content to, to pray to and to put their hope in these wooden, dead, lifeless things. And so he's grieved. See, an idol is anything that stands between me and the intimate love of God available to me through Jesus Christ. Anything that we place as as a source of, I would say, three main categories of, of human desire that we need, that we long for as human beings. What would it be? At the core, we all want three things, and these are really good things to want. They're the way God designed us to want these things and to need these things. Here they are, the three things. Number one, we desire and long for belonging. We need to belong. We need a people. We need to be loved and belong. Number two, we need security. We long to be safe and secure in so many ways, physically, emotionally. We long to be secure 
relationally. And third, we long for significance, right? We long to matter. We long to have meaning. So belonging, significance, and security, these are what we all at our core long for. And an idol is that which we uh, go to to get these things, that anything other than God to get one of those three things, at their core. So we want love and we want belonging and we can't find it. We don't get it. So we go to pornography or we go to sex, longing for love, longing for security of, of love, longing for belonging and acceptance. But the idol, sex can become that idol. Pornography can be that idol, that intermediary that causes us to miss what God actually wants to give us full belonging, full significance, full security in the relationship of his love. What else? If God, if Paul walked into Albuquerque, New Mexico, and he, he looked around and he look, came in here and he saw a new creation Albuquerque, what would he be grieved by? What idols would he see? He wouldn't see wood and stone, hopefully, but he might see, he might see the idols, like I just said, of sex. He might see the idols of drugs. He might see the idol of work, trying to get significance and meaning from our, our work, security from our work. If we could just work harder and get more or our identities there. He might see the idol of knowledge, right? And certainty that we, we get a sense of security and a sense of belonging by what we know and what we claim to know. And what we believe, we might, he might name as an idol admiration, the admiration of people, the respect of people that we long to get. That's mine. I'll talk about it more later. He might name as an idol children. These are live human beings. It's not wood and stone. But we got a little idol there possibly where we, we idolize our children. We try to get from them what only God can provide. And we set them as an idol Health and fitness, stuff, let's just, big category, stuff, trying to get significance, security, meaning, money. What else? You guys can name other things. Idols. And it's, it's not that God's like, you guys are disgusting going after this thing. It's like he's, he's, he's grieving. You're going after, you're looking in the wrong place for the right thing, Right? You're looking in the wrong place for the right thing. And I'm pointing you to the right person, the right relationship with God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ. You can have all that you long for, all that your heart truly desires, that belonging, that significance, that security is found only in me. And so the good news I want to proclaim over you, and we have a slide here, that God is closer than we could ever have imagined. God is closer than he, we could ever have imagined. He's inviting us to know and be known. And in this divine union, to know our deepest desires finally satisfied. It's only in this divine union, which you were created for, by the way, that your desires are finally satisfied. I, a friend of mine from college visited uh, back in March with his four uh, girls. 
um, and he's going through a divorce, a really painful time. He, I was in his wedding um, 20 years ago, and after 20 years, his marriage is coming to an end, and he's devastated by it. And he's he's just wrecked, and he's going to therapy, and he's 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 getting all the help he can he can he can get. But he said he was describing to me late one night um, that one of his uh, spiritual mentors kind of led him through this prayer, this process of praying, and it was a very like like invite Jesus, just like Andy did. Let's take, let's, let's take, let's let, invite Jesus to that lonely place, that place of wounding, that, that place where you felt abandoned, that place where you're hurting. Let's be real with where we really are and let's invite Jesus. Let's be with Jesus. Not just think about how Jesus heals us and know that fact, but let's bring ourselves into the presence of the living God and see what he might say, what he might do, who he might be. And he said he had this encounter with Jesus that he'd never had before, that Jesus actually showed up. And with a smile on his face and like tears in his eyes, he said, I've never, all these years of no believing in Jesus, I've never actually been with him. And he says, I don't want anything else. Like, forget the good advice. I just want more of that. And that's all I want to give to people. I want to point people to that. I don't want advice. I want Jesus. I want him. Can you relate to that? Like that longing to be with Jesus, not just to know about Jesus, but to know and to be known and to let him meet you and meet you in the place of your deepest desire, whether that's for security, belonging, significance, my idol is, I'm learning about myself, that I confuse admiration for love, the admiration of people for love, and I go looking for admiration or respect or uh, approval from people. That's my deal. And, and I've, I saw this come to the surface a couple weeks ago, and now the shrams live by me. They get to see me in all my glory. But I was... This came up, there's this guy that bought, this young guy, this young, like, rich dude, developer that bought the apartments across from the street. I call him a Tesla bro. He brought, drives up in his Tesla. He's got a kind of a curly-haired mullet and a cool hipster mustache. And uh, he's a nice guy, and we've talked, and um, I've tried to, like, advocate for the tenants, you know, like, let's, let's, and we've tried to develop a relationship. I'll help you out if I see, like, people, you know bashing your windows, I'll give you a call. And he was like, yeah, we were talking. He put a fence around it, and he's not going to put a gate. Because, but he said there's a dumpster in the, the, inside the fence, and he says they're having problems with other people not living in the apartments, putting trash in the dumpster. We've all done it, okay? <laughs> but I'm like, I'm like, yeah, man, there's lots of people that put trash in that dumpster, and it's always overflowing. He's like, yeah, that's a problem. I'm like, yeah, man, all right. And so he leaves, and a couple days later, I got this big box <laughs> that won't fit in my trash can. And it's 5 o'clock in the afternoon, brought it as daylight. I'm a stupid criminal. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm dumb. And so I take the box. I look, around, I look around the street. I take the box, and I put it in this pretty full already <laughs> dumpster. And then out of the corner of my eyes, I turn back to my house. I see this guy in his car with his phone. Have you ever had anyone do that? 
It's infuriating. He's like this. I'm like, what what are you doing? He's like, that's not your dumpster. I was like, well, he's like, put your trash back. He's like the contract. He works for this guy. I'm like, okay. And so then like a, you know, scolded puppy, I go, I grab my box out of the car. I walk across the street, and he's like this. I was like, dang, man. And I, in that moment, like, I'm like, oh, that, he's going to show the Tesla bro that footage. And I'm supposed to be cool. And I want to be admired by this guy. I want to be respected by this guy. I want to have, like, a, you know, a thing with him, you know, like a, a healthy platonic thing. But, like, you know, I want to be... And I was so embarrassed, and it, like, occupied my thoughts, and I wanted this guy's approval. Well, this shows me that the admiration of people, this is, like, one thing, is, is an idol in my life. It's a substitute for the love of God. It's, it's something I'm longing for belonging or significance. I want to be seen as important uh, or whatever. And I notice, I've noticed this pattern in my life, and I believe God is healing me of it. I'm learning to notice it and name it and bring it to Jesus. And, uh, but I notice that when I am operating in that space where I'm worshiping the idol of admiration, that the fruit of my life is anxious, it's fearful, it's stressful, it's, um, I, I center myself in other people's stories rather than centering them and what God is doing. I'm trying to get something from them, their admiration or respect or whatever. And the fruit of that is, is just destructive and harmful. But I, I notice as Jesus frees me from this, and I learn to respond to his invitation to come into his, his presence and to get those things from being with God in God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The fruit of that life is the fruit of the Spirit. I've begun to see more love and joy and peace and patience because I'm not irritated that I'm not getting. I, I can be patient. I can be gentle. I can be faithful. And so this is what grieves Paul. He sees a whole society of people pursuing the right, uh, trying to get the right thing through the wrong, in the wrong place, right? Missing this intimate love relationship that will give them all that they desire. And so he speaks. He invites them in because he knows God's desire is for not only him, but for these Gentiles, for these Athenians, for these idol worshipers. God's desire is that they come into intimate relationship with their creator. And so verse 24, he says, look, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. We learn some things about God, right? First, that God is creator. We learn that Jesus is creator, that he is Lord. He is king. He's the only one worthy of our allegiance this would have been very uh, disruptive for the, the Greek ears, the Athenian ears. Rome is not your king. Empire is not your allegiance. Jesus is. These gods, there's only one God. There's one creator. And he says God is not contained in buildings. And, and the Jewish faith and the, the pagan faiths of that day confined God's presence into a building and Jesus comes on the scene. He says, my body's the temple. 
you ripped this place down in three days. Well, actually, if you destroy the temple in three days, I will rebuild it, referring to his body. And then he says something even more radical. It's like, you, the church, are my body. You are my temple. Can you raise your hand if you're a temple of the Holy Spirit, the living God? He abides in you. And so, verse 25, he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Can we all take a deep breath real quick? Just super deep. That is the gift of God. That is the gift of God. God is in need of nothing. God is our source. God is the source of our life and our breath and our being. And then it says, from one man, he made all the nations. Let me just stop there real quick. I want to go back. God doesn't need anything, but he he doesn't need you, but he wants you, right? He doesn't need you. He wants you. He wants to be with you. It's like the, you know, when, you're, when your child wants to help you mow the grass, like I want, peop, I want Jackson or Juliet, especially when they're really young, to help me mow the grass, not because they're actually, I need them to, but because it's really cool that they're just like walking alongside me and trying to be like me. And I like being with them. This is what God, he wants us. He wants relationship with us. All right, and here's the big central thing here, okay? Verse 26 and 27. From one man, God made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Verse 27. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Can we say that together? Though he is not far from any one of us. Now that's the gospel. That's the good news. God is not far from any one of us. And then he goes on. In him we live and move and have our being. It's like move around. In him we move and live and have our being. We like to pray and we like to say, God, you know, who is in heaven? Yeah, kind of, not really. Like, where's heaven? Heaven's like right here. I was telling this, I preached at Foothills last week and I brought in Stranger Things. You guys brought Stranger Things? The upside down? No one wants to admit it? No, but look, the upside down. It's this alternate parallel reality that's like right it's upside down. It's right there. But the kingdom of God is, is right side up, and we're upside down. And it's right here. It's like it's not somewhere else. It's if we could just peel back right now, we would see. And God is inviting us to be there, to live there. In him we move and live and have our being. God is not far from any one of us. So, Andy, can I come have you come up and play? And we're going to just kind of move into a time of worship. I've got a few more words, but maybe this could be part of moving into our worship. I just want to key in on that phrase, God is not far 
from any one of us. And I think, I just come into mind, let's not just think about ourselves, but think about the f- person that's furthest from God, that you think is furthest from God, that is furthest from hope, that is furthest from healing, that's rejecting it, that seems l- the most lost. Not far from any one of us. That person lives and moves and has their being in him. I once... Um, can I can I get you to help me out here? I've sh- I've given this example before, but like when we when we're walking away from God, walk away from me real quick. It's not as if we're walking away from God and we're getting further and further. All right, come back because <laughs> I don't have a very long microphone cord, and I walk away. It's like this, and then when we decide to turn around, turn around. We walk it away from God, and he's not far from any one of us. And when we decide to repent, which it says in verse 29, Paul calls us to repent from our idol worship. Repent is to turn, stop and turn the other direction. And where do we, who do we find when we turn around? Now, now Andy's God. We find a guy, a God who wants to embrace us, who wants to hug us. I told Andy, on Friday, I was like, I think people, sometimes they just need a hug from Jesus. And that's what I want to communicate. And that, man, a few years ago, I would have thought that's cheesy. But I'm more and more convinced that's all that people need. is like to be in the healing presence of, of God. And so what is it that you are looking for the right thing in the wrong place. Like, what's the wrong thing that you're looking for the right thing? Does that make sense? What's your idol? Mine is the admiration of people, of one among many of my little idol cases. But what's that substitute, that destructive substitute, where you're trying to get that sense of meaning and significance or that sense of security and belonging or that sense of, of just being loved? Maybe you could just imagine yourself in your pursuit of those things, walking away from God, but you're not walking away from God because God is walking with you. And what if you just turned around? What if you just turned around and just let God hold you and heal you and restore you and give you what you've been looking for your whole life? in the wrong place. So that's, I think, what Paul is calling the Athenians to. God is closer than we ever imagined, and he's inviting us to know and be known in his life. And in this divine union, you can know your deepest desires finally satisfied. And so let's spend some time singing in the presence of Jesus who is right here with you right now. And let's just not think about, let's not know about God, but let's just be with God right now.